want you to think what Abram might have been thinking. Now, of course, we had that whole Melchizedek uh, interaction, but I want you to think about what Abram might be thinking about those four kings that he just went and plundered, right? You remember what happened? Four kings against five kings. Four kings defeat five kings. They're kind of celebrating Abram, 318 men of his secret night raid, come and deliver Lot, Sodom, from the hand of those four kings. And you think, well, how were they able to do that? And I think the answer would be, well, the four kings were taken by surprise, right? I mean, they had just defeated the five kings. They're feeling good. Abram, secret night raid, surprises them, is able to deliver all these people. Now, if you, if you think about that, what might Abram be feeling that those four kings might do? They might retaliate, right? I would think that that would be a very realistic uh, expectation that those kings might come and retaliate. They might try to win back what they lost. They might come specifically after Abram and his family. We don't know for sure, but this is just kind of reading between the lines here of the kinds of things that Abram might be thinking when we come in to one of the most important chapters in the Bible. Genesis 15, look at verse 1. After these things, which would be those battles, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I mean, think of that. Of God coming to you when you might be really fearful and have legitimate reasons to be afraid. And God says, don't be afraid. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I will do everything that I have promised to do for you. But Abram said in verse 2, Oh Lord God, what will you give me? Because I continue childless. Like everything that you promised me is dependent on offspring and I still don't have any. We don't know at this point how long it's been, but years have seemingly gone by since he left everything for the Lord's promise and there's still no children. What are you going to give me? I, I don't have any kids. Verse 2 again, And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. I, mean, I think maybe, maybe Abram is thinking, I've got a faithful servant with me. I mean, am I supposed to like adopt him? as my son so that I'll have some offspring to be able to uh, give my things to that you'll be able to use Lord what what's your plan Abram can't see it he's left in faith he's been obeying the Lord for the most part other than that one lapse of faith but but what are you going to do is this your plan Abram's trying to figure it out verse 3 and Abram said behold you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, This man, Eliezer, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And God brought Abram outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. And then God said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. And how do you suppose Abram would respond to the amazing promise of God? Verse 6, and Abram 
believed the Lord. And God counted it to Abram as righteousness. Abram has no children. He's struggling, wrestling like we often do uh, with, with the promises of God, with how God will do what he has said. And, and God takes Abram outside and says, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able. Your offspring are going to be like that. And Abram believed the Lord. He trusted the Lord's promise and God counted that faith to him as righteousness. Abraham is credited with right standing before God through simply trusting the promise of God. Now verse 7. And God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But again, Abram said, Oh Lord God, how am I to know that I'll possess it? He still he believes and yet he still asks questions. He still wrestles with the promises of God. But from this position of faith, ultimately. And God said to him in verse 9, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old. Bring these animals. And so Abram brought God all these and and then he cut them in half and he laid each half over against the other but he didn't cut the birds in half and when the birds of prey would come down and try to like eat up the carcasses Abram would drive them away so, so what's going on so you get your picture it so Abram brings all of these animals that God wants him to bring and he kills them sacrifices them splits most of them up keeps the other birds from coming and devouring them. What is God trying to do? He's going to try to teach Abram. So Abram's like, how will I know that you're going to do this? I mean, he believes, but yet he's still asking that question. And God says, this is what I want you to do. Offer these sacrifices. Abram splits up the animals. And then verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Now that, a deep sleep, you know, the last guy to have a deep sleep was was Adam uh, the night before he uh, had uh, a wife uh, given to him. Uh, fell deeply asleep uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 2, right? And now for the second time, I mean, that was some pretty amazing things God did when there was that deep sleep the first time. Deep sleep the second time, God's about to do something amazing in the life of Abram. Abram falls deeply asleep, but it's not going to be so peaceful. Verse 12, and behold, this is in the middle, Dreadful and great darkness fell on Abram. And then the Lord, out of the darkness, speaks to Abram. Know for certain, pay very close attention to this, that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And they will be servants there in that land. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. Did you pick up what God just said in that vision, in that dream? Abram, you're not just going to have offspring. I want to tell you something about what's going to happen to your many offspring. I'm going to take them down to a land 
that you don't know, that they don't know. And they are going to become servants and they're going to be there under affliction for 400 years. They're going to be there. Verse 14, because that's not all God wants to say. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And after that, they're going to come out with great possessions. As for yourself, Abram, you're going to go to your fathers in peace and you're going to be buried in a good old age. And they're going to come back here to this land in the fourth generation because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete, which is to say the people in this land, one of which is the Amorites, haven't done enough sins yet. It seems it's something like that. God's saying, look, I'm going to judge the people in this land but God is so patient. He's saying, I'm giving them time and time and time. And they're going to keep rebelling against me. And one day the people in this land will have done so much wickedness. I'm going to bring my judgment down on the people in this land. But it's not going to happen yet here in the land of Canaan. There's going to be a lot of years that go by, Abram. And your offspring are going to suffer a lot of things down in another land before they come back here to this land and I give it to them and judge the people of this land. But that's not the end of the story. Abram's deeply asleep and he's seeing these things. He's hearing the voice of God. But God now wants to show him one more thing. Verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, those animals that Abram had split up, he now sees the fire pot and the flaming torch passing between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, I give this land. And then he gives the boundaries of the land. But the thing you have to see is what Abram saw. God sends this smoking fire pot and torch between those killed animals that have been split apart. And he makes a covenant with Abram because God is a God who makes covenants, who, who promises himself to his people to do certain things for them. But you think, what's the deal with this scene? I mean, I don't think I quite pick, gather what's being pictured here. This, in, in Abram's day, seems to be a way to make a covenant. The animals are killed, they're split apart, and the parties of the covenant, like the two different sides of the covenant, the two different people or people groups, walk through the, the killed and animals. And it's like they are saying to one another, I will fulfill my promises, and if I don't, May the things that happen to these animals happen to me. That seems to be this kind of covenant ceremony. But Abram is sleeping and God sends the fire pot and the torch, maybe like a picture of God himself through the animals. And it's like God is saying, I will fulfill these promises to you, Abram. You ask me, how will I know? I am guaranteeing to you. I am covenanting myself to you to do 
everything that I have said. I will prove trustworthy to you, Abram, and to your offspring. This land is going to be yours. Your name will be great. And through you, all the peoples on earth are going to receive my blessing. I guarantee it. And those promises God is saying through this ceremony are dependent only and ultimately on me, on my promise, on what I will do. You need to obey. It's not like this is saying, Abram, you don't need to trust me or obey me. But the one who will bring upon himself the curses if he doesn't fulfill the, com the, the promises is God. God will be the one responsible to carry out every one of his promises to Abram. Abram, you can rest assured in my promise to you. Thank you.